Now, uh, a lot of people are thinking about their own personal growth at this moment uh, in the calendar. In fact, I think that uh, probably more than any other moment uh, in the year, this is when people are thinking ahead, thinking about what they want their lives to be, thinking about how they want to improve, how they want to grow. I mean, we've got 2017. It's going into the books. It's done. Y'all realize it's done. Close it. It's done. And there's a brand new year to be lived into, to be written into, to, to think about, to, to all, all that might be. And all that happens at midnight tonight. And uh, there are lots of things we want to work on. And we're all maybe thinking of things like that. And uh, the health club is about to be really crowded for three weeks, <laughs> the, um, the, the diet books are about to fly off the shelves uh, before they start collecting dust about two months from now. And there are thoughts about how people want to improve in their vocations, how they want to grow in their relationships, and, and just all manners uh, manner of other desires that uh, are just ready to be worked on, ready to ready to grow and and ready to improve. So I want to ask you this morning: Do you want to grow personally in 2018? And if you do, what will really help you really grow in a way that really matters? Now, many of you know, because I've quoted several of them, I listen to audiobooks. I kind of read, and then when I'm in the car, you know, there's so many books, so little time. You know, we, have to have, we have to have lots of modes to, to, to do books, and I love audiobooks. And Tuesday, I got an email from audible.com. That is the, uh, the service that I get my audiobooks from, and uh, it was this great offer. Get two books for the price of one credit. So you buy credits one a month, uh, at least I do, and uh, you change, you trade in, you pick any book for a credit. This is get two books for one credit. But you have to, you have to choose the two books from a prepared list. You can't just choose it from the whole library. So I thought, being Scottish as I am, I thought, I will take a look at this list and see what, what is available. And my, my eyes immediately seized upon two titles. It was a kind of New Year's resolution book list. You know, they sent out. My eyes seized on two titles. The first is, was called, Now is the Time to Crush It. Now, for those of you who don't know, we used to say, he or she did a really great job. Now we say, he crushed it. And that's what they mean. Now is the, here's the book. So I'll just say it. I like to say crush it like that. Um, now is the time to crush it. Why now is the time to cash in on your passion. I'm sure that's a very interesting book. Um, but here's the one that you can get free with. Now is the time to crush it. It's called Eat and Run. Eat and Run, colon, My Unlikely Journey into Ultramarathon Greatness. Now that's for people who are serious right there. 
my, my unlikely journey, and, and like unlikely wouldn't even begin to describe me in terms of that book, my unlikely journey into ultra-marathon greatness. So just think, with, with just thinking about what we, what we, how we want to change, with one audible.com credit, this year I could learn to like crush it as a pastor and, and become an ultra-marathon Uber pastor. I mean, just by one credit. Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, I, I would like to crush it, um, but I am not reading about ultra marathons. I'll just let you know right now. But I do want to grow this year personally, just like you do. And um, rather than uh, ultra marathons and, and crushing it, I think we're going to start with Philippians 3, right here on the last day of 2017. Because this is Paul's explanation of how people really grow. This is how we grow spiritually. And uh, he's saying that the, the key to growing is knowing three things. The word knowing here that keeps being repeated in the passage, that's so important what we know and therefore we're able to grow, the word knowing here doesn't mean that we kind of like understand it intellectually like we know that the word know here that's repeated in in philippians 3 is the word that means to to experientially know like to really know because it's a part of you and so paul says those who want to know really experientially know grace will grow he says those that want to know relationship will grow and thirdly those who want to know the fellowship of christ's sufferings will grow and so anytime i work on a sermon i like to put it into one i feel like if you can't put it into one sentence you shouldn't preach it so here here's the sentence if you want to write it down those who want to know are the ones who will grow that's what Paul's saying us to us. So what are these three things? And let's kind of look at this passage. The first is those who want to know grace will grow. You know, um, as much as I think that, you know, finding a reading plan for this year and maybe getting, getting on some spiritual program um, or, or some, some new devotional book, as much as I think that is a great idea, and I really do, for how we might grow in the new year, I just want you to know, Paul would say to you, that's not where we start. That's great, but that is not where we start. Because when it comes to, to God, at least, and, and growth, it's not just finding ways to get better at things so we can be better at things. It's not just finding ways to get better at things so that God will love us more. It's not just finding ways to get better at things so that we can get what we want from God. No, it's a matter of of knowing the grace of God, like experientially knowing God's grace and being able to walk in that grace. And then these, these other opportunities begin to make sense and become meaningful. Paul says in this text, he says, look, if anybody could 
if anybody could claim to become acceptable before God and kind of demand blessing from God by, by being good, by, by doing good things, by being religious, he says, I'm the guy, if there's anybody in the world that could do that, I am that guy. And if you look at Philippians 3, I'm actually going to back up to verse 4. Paul says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, meaning what, what you do, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Man, religiously, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the people of Israel. I am of the tribe of Benjamin. I am, as he calls himself, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, he says, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. If anybody thought you could do it by by doing stuff, it was me. Look at verse 7. But whatever, but whatever gain I had from all that, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as as loss because of the surpassing worth or greatness of, here's our word, knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as garbage as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. And and listen carefully to this next sentence that Paul gives us. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law. It's so important. Not my own, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but the gift Excuse me, right? Not not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God given to me that comes through faith. So um, your starting point is not what you can do to get better and get, get what you want. Your starting point is what Christ has done for you. I want you to know in Christianity, Christ is always first. Christ always precedes us. I mean, before the foundation of the world, God already loved us. God already chose us. You know, we don't just show up on the scene and it's all up to us. God's already before us. And it is so wonderful to say it all has meaning because of what God has done and what that means for me. It is all not by my works, but the work of another person. Jesus Christ, the one that God sent to be the Messiah, his, his only son. And, and through him, in, in this sheer grace, I am able to know, experientially know God. And this is a righteousness that God gives me. It's kind of my ongoing standing with God. I don't have time to explain all this right now, but uh, basically uh, what Christ did took away my sins and God gave me his righteousness and I always have his perfect righteousness and that is my ongoing acceptance before God and that is never because of something I do. In fact, you know the great thing about grace and the righteousness of God is you can't make it any better and thankfully you can't make it any worse. It is sheer grace and if we're going to grow where paul says we have to start is is right here we need to know christ in terms of grace and y'all as i look at the struggles in my own heart 
as we move into a new year and, and my desire to grow, I am so glad that I don't have to become a Pharisee to be loved by God. I don't have to become a Pharisee to grow in Christ. I'm, I'm so glad that I don't have to become an ultra-marathon spiritual performer to grow. I can simply go back to the gift that Jesus took away my sin through the cross and he gave me his righteousness, this ongoing standing. You know what, what, I'm, what, what, what Paul's saying and, and kind of what I'm saying to you at the end of this year and how we're going to grow? We're going to know grace. Come with me this year. Come with me back to the cool, clear, refreshing headwaters, spring water of grace, of life indeed that comes from God that we get to respond to, that we get to live in because of this relationship. So that's our starting point. Those who want to know are the ones that want to grow. First thing, we want to know grace. Secondly is those who know relationship will grow. Because being accepted by God and and truly knowing that you're accepted, that's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning of your story. There's so much to be lived in. There's so much that God wants to give us. And there's so much growth. And there's the beauty and the love of who he is as we walk with him in a relationship. Verse 10, and Paul goes right on and he says, And that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Uh, A lot of the other versions don't like continue that in a sentence. They say something like this. I want to know Christ experientially know him, gnosko, that that Greek word. I want to experientially know Christ and the power, the ongoing power of his resurrection. And what this is, is this is knowing new life in Christ. You see, what what we're talking about a minute ago is, is knowing about the death of Christ. Knowing about how God has removed the the problem of our sin between us and him and placed us in right standing with God. Jesus died on the cross to defeat sin, to totally eradicate, expunge, blot away through his sacrifice on our behalf, our sin that holds us, is between us and God. I mean, that is amazing. That's how we have the grace, right? But... The resurrection, as Jesus defeated sin on the cross, the resurrection is where Jesus defeated death. And Jesus gives us new life that lasts forever. Like born again, like new start. I mean, literally new life. And it's a different quality of life. And it's a different kind of power that can drive that life. Which is, which is so wonderful because we don't really just have the, the power to, to grow. New creations. The old is gone. The, the new has come. You remember Paul in, in Acts chapter 9. Paul was, was just soundly reborn on the road to Damascus. Even here in Philippians 3 says, you know, I was a Pharisee. I persecuted the church. Like I was really taken up for my religion. I was, I was like, the, like a Taliban, you know, of the Jews. That's what I was kind of like. And then I met Jesus and that life died. And I was reborn. And suddenly we get Saul becoming Paul. And we get 
law turning into grace. And then we get this amazing life that is powered by the resurrection life of Jesus given to Paul. The same resurrection life that is given to you and me just by the grace of God in Christ. If you've put your trust in Christ and what he's done for you, you also have been resurrected. And the old is gone and the new has come. I want to know Christ, he says. I want to experientially have a relationship with Christ and the power, the dunamis. You've heard preachers forever say it's like dynamite, and it is. The dunamis, the power of his resurrection at work in my life in in this new life. I listened to, um, another thing I listened to, uh, I don't know if y'all know this, but RTS and Covenant Seminary in Westminster, like gajillions of their courses are free to listen to. So Andy Hoffaker, who teaches in this course, I've listened, and it took me a long time, and he is like world class, and you really got to stay with him. I mean, this is seminary lectures. His, his lectures on church history, I've listened to everything that's on the internet that, that Andy Hoffaker has taught. But one of the things that I've listened to is the Covenant Seminary uh, class. You know, they have the Francis uh, Schaeffer Institute at Covenant Seminary. And you can listen to it. It's called The Life and Times of Francis and Edith Schaeffer. For those of you who don't know who Francis Schaeffer is, Francis Schaeffer was a, a Presbyterian minister. Later, when the PCA was formed, he was one of ours. He was a PCA minister. But he became, he was a pastor for a while, long while, and then he became a missionary to Europe. He took his family over and uh, became a famous author while he was over there and started a study center called Labrie Fellowship where all the hippies in the 60s would come and ask deep questions. And, and so he would just talk at his table and he would teach. And this thing just exploded with growth. And people would go from the United States. In fact, there are people in this church that actually went to Labrie. And that's just too cool. I, wasn't, I was like four years old. It just wasn't going to work for me. But... Um, that's who he was and uh, became an incredible voice for Christ and, and, and Christ in the midst of culture. Of course, the 60s, a lot of change in the culture. But as I was listening to these, these lectures, um, I didn't realize with as much clarity until then that Francis Schaeffer had a real spiritual crisis in 1950. This was before Labrie was established. And... uh, They were in Switzerland. They were in a chalet uh, trying to figure out what they were going to do. They were missionaries. And and Francis Schaeffer began to notice that like his heart was just getting dimmer and dimmer. And he he didn't hunger for the things he used to hunger for. He didn't hunger for worship like he used to. He didn't hunger for God's word like he used to. I mean, he just kind of noticed this, you know, that the voltage of his spiritual life was getting lower and lower. He's getting a little disillusioned with this, you know. And so um, what he did, and if you can put yourself in Edith, his wife's shoes, he told Edith Schaefer that he was going to move into the little room above the barn, separate from the house, and he wasn't coming out. I mean, I'm sure he came in and out, but he wasn't moving back into the house until either he had found a, a new and revitalized relationship with God or, or he was giving up on Christianity altogether. I mean, when you're a missionary's wife, that's not what you want to hear. 
So he moves into the barn. You know, it's like, Mommy, why is Daddy living in the barn? I'll tell you later. (laughs) This goes on for three weeks. Can you imagine how she felt? So in three weeks, he emerges from the barn. And he goes in to announce whether he's an atheist or a revitalized Christian, basically, to his family. And he comes out with this new reality and new hunger to want to personally know Christ. Gnosko, experientially know Jesus of Nazareth, the risen Christ. He had been a pastor for a long time when he realized his need to know Christ in a fresh way. You know, that encourages me. I'm down for that in 2018. But in terms of, of Philippians 3, maybe we could explain it, what, what he went through, in terms of this passage and kind of what we're looking at this morning as Paul is instructing us. Schaefer learned basically that to, to want to know relationship with Christ, you know, to know relationship, that's what we're talking about. You have to start with knowing grace. That's what he learned. He learned you can't separate those two. He learned that just doing more and trying to get more and squeeze more out of God is death. And it's dimmer and dimmer. And he learned that, that, that where God brings us into a new life and where it is based on the work of this other person and there's complete acceptance before God and love from God, and adoption from God, and and empowerment, all these wonderful things that we are given that we need to be reminded of, he just kind of got back to the molten core of what this thing really is in Jesus, y'all. And then he wanted to grow. And then the Scripture started becoming more alive to him. Then, Then he was praying meaningfully to this God that he was just awestruck by, you know. Moved by. Never letting go of grace as a basis for a relationship with Christ. By the way, if you want to read all about this, I suggest my favorite Francis Schaeffer book. I want you to write this down. This might be, you got a whole year. Write this down. It's called True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. You won't be disappointed, I promise you. I think it's the best book. But it's all about this, this, this relationship between knowing grace... And knowing relationship and and intimacy with Christ, living relationship. So, moving into 2018, we can want to know grace together. That's where we start. Let's know grace together uh, as the basis of knowing relationship together. And let's encourage one another, not just in the, the component parts of what a relationship needs, but let's encourage one another in the free, staggering, sheer, and free grace of Jesus. That if you have placed your trust in what He has done, rather than showing up before God now or later with your ten bucks of personal righteousness, it's a joke before a holy God. We can encourage, we have everything in Christ. 
We can't make it any worse. We can't make it any better. Therefore, we can grow. And this is very personal. It is like knowing a person. It is the risen Christ. But this is where the Scriptures come in, right? That's where we learn about Christ. This is where our prayers come in. This is how we talk to God. You know, prayers aren't just something you check off. Prayer's not just a list. There's something about me and God in prayer. And this whole notion of I pray for everybody else and I pray for myself, forget it for 2018. Go to your Father because of sheer grace and talk it out with God. And, and, you know, and just kind of unburden yourself with this God who loves you completely and pray to your God and pray for others. Why don't you flip that this year, all right? Why don't you start with grace and just kind of move into relationship and then move into prayer as a part of this i mean this is where worship comes in this is where developing christian friendships uh with one another that really bring a kind of support and and mutual love Uh, this is where ministry and, and being able to give uh together really matters and it's rooted in grace i'll tell you two things we're going to do to help you out Right now in the beginning of the year when everybody comes back, um, we're going to, A, put a memory verse in the bulletin every month. I've already set all of them aside. They are chronologically ordered. One of them starts with Genesis. You'll find that one out next week. And then we are going to memorize 12 verses together. You think we can do that? We're going to encourage one another. We're going to memorize 12 verses of Scripture together. All right? Secondly, we're about to start a new message series called The Jesus We Need. We're going straight to John's gospel and John 1 through 10, and we're going to talk about who Jesus is and what that means. So you want to get to know Jesus? We're going to help you. We're going to memorize some scripture, and we're going straight into this whole notion of who Jesus is and, and, and why that matters. So first, those that want to grow or the one, those that want to know are the ones that grow. We want to know grace. We want to know relationship. And then thirdly, those who know the, want to know the fellowship of his sufferings will grow. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do we have to add that one on there? Yeah, we have to add that one on there. Okay? We just got to. Verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and somehow to become like him in his death. Interesting that it does not say that we simply are called to suffer for Jesus. It says we are to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, the word there for share in the Greek is the word koinonia. Some of y'all know that word. It It means to participate. It's a relational word. It means to share. It means fellowship. This is a very related. What it's saying is, is that suffering is a normal part from a suffering with a suffering savior is is a normal part of our relationship with God. If you're suffering, and when I say suffering, don't just think of huge things, you know. But if you're suffering. I want you to know God knows your suffering and there's purpose in your suffering and your suffering is actually a big part of how you'll grow this year and kind of how you approach the things that are, are kind of going on 
in your life because we live in a fallen world. Everybody's going to suffer whether you suffer this way or not. Nobody gets out alive. Nobody escapes. This is a fallen world. Everybody's going to have to go through some suffering in a fallen world. But boy, you want to grow. You'd want to know grace. You'd want to know relationship, you know, with Christ. You'd, you'd want to know suffering in a different way. You'd want to know the fellowship, the, the sharing, the participation of Jesus' sufferings. It's, it's why some people call suffering, quote, the, the sacrament of suffering. Now, we do not believe that suffering is a sacrament but it's easy to see why people say that. You know what a sacrament is? It's a, it's a holy ordinance. It's an event um, that conveys God's grace to us. That's what a sacrament is. Like the Lord's Supper, it conveys God's grace to us. I mean, I, you can understand why, why people sometimes when they view suffering properly through the lens of Jesus, kind of call it the, the, the sacrament of suffering. I mean, suffering... As fellowship with Jesus sounds a lot better to me than just suffering. To know Jesus is to know suffering and and to know a man of sorrows fully acquainted with grief and suffering, right? We just can't sanitize this thing. The gospel of grace is just amazing news in terms of suffering. I want you to think about this for a minute. You and I, we... Because we're sinners, let's go ahead and embrace that at the end of 2017 too. We have a need of God and His grace. Because we're sinners, you and I would never, never look for God Almighty hanging on a Roman cross. I mean, what kind of idiocy is that? I mean, look for God Almighty. I'm talking about just... Just people who are just normal, fallen people. Look for Him on a throne. Because He's God Almighty, the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the all-wise, the all-everything. Look for Him in a palace. You would never look for Him on the cross. And that's why we got to tell people to look for Him there. And aren't you glad... That the cross and his sufferings for you and me is the very place and the only place we find him. Isn't that amazing? If you feel a little undervalued in your life right now, this could really change that. This, this, is, this is amazing. We know, Gnosko experientially know a suffering Savior who suffered for us and who has fellowship and we share in His sufferings as He comes in and shares with us in our sufferings. I want, if I'm going to suffer, I want to suffer in fellowship with Almighty God who loves me by grace. And one of the main ways that God's Power changes us. We know this. One of the main ways God changes us is through suffering. And there are people that go as far as to say one of the only ways God really changes us is through suffering. I'm not going to go that far because I just don't want to even invite suffering at all. 
But one of the, we know this. And so often it is specifically through suffering that, that you and I have the privilege of showing the world the difference that Christ really makes. You see how this, this is just beautiful. Even though it's suffering, it is best to want to know the fellowship of Christ in suffering because we're all going to suffer. And it is encouraging, to, at least to me this morning, that there is purpose in our suffering and fellowship in our suffering. Christ is there. He is a suffering Savior. If you're suffering and you know Christ, I trust me, He's there. He wants to be there. He wants to have fellowship with you in, in that. So, those who want to know are the ones who will grow. Those who want to know three things. hope you're writing this down. Maybe you can like look it over sometime this week. Those that want to know grace and go back to those headwaters. Those that want to know relationship, an intimate relationship with Christ, and those who want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. And, and finally, and, and very quickly, those who want to know will grow. And that's just the, I, I won't spend a lot of time, but, but if you look at verse 13, and I'm going to quote the NIV 1984 because of a word here, and I'll give you the ESV word too. But I like the word used in this particular translation. Brothers and sisters, we, I do not consider myself, Paul says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of all this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for that which God has called me, and here's the word, heavenward, in Christ. God get, God's given us everything we need. You're not going to get any more or any less from God in terms of His love and His acceptance because when Jesus said it is finished, it was finished, and it's complete, and it's ours, just sheer grace by faith and not by works. But God really does want to give us so much more understanding and experience with Him and, and, and shaping and, and growth within this grace in which we stand. And Paul basically says, Brothers, I, I haven't already attained all this for that which Christ took hold of me. And the word here for took hold of me, katalumbano, means, and this is like God, Eagerly seizing and possessing. He says, I, ha I, haven't, I haven't grown into all that God seized me for. That God possessed me for, for these things and for me to become like this. There's kind of a play on words there in verse 12. I press on to eagerly seize in my life what God has seized me for. You see, we do need to celebrate grace and acceptance. But folks, if that's all we have, what's the point? 
I thought the chief end of man was to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Grace for what? What what has Christ seized you for? So that you can press forward. So that you can seize. You can lay hold to what Christ in the midst of this grace wants to give you. And I'm going to tell you it matters in your life. And it matters in the lives of people in your house. And it matters in the world as we grow in Jesus. And lean forward and press deeper into these things. Paul basically says, because of grace, I will act. I will press and press on. So, let me finish. Grace and relationship is going somewhere. This year and like last year. Why? I don't know where where we're going this year, but God's willing to take us a place. God's willing to build love into our lives. You know, one of my, like, little monikers for the Christian life is, Christian life equals learning how to love. Because we've been loved. Hey, that's, God wants to take us there this year. You know, God wants us to understand more. God wants us to, to discover what some of our gifts are. God wants us to be able to fellowship with, with people more. And, and, and He wants us to grow, you see. Grace and relationships going somewhere. It's changing me. It's, it's changing others. It's, it's changing culture as believers want to know these three things and press into them. It's changing the world. That's how it works. And it is, ESV, the upward calling. It is, as I read the translation, heavenward. Heavenward. So let me kind of put that together. I just love this. If your life in 2018, should you want to know grace, relationship, and suffering to grow... Your, if your life in 2018 is Jesus-ward, it's going to be heavenward. I don't know, but that just really motivates me to want to move deeper into Him and grow in Him. A life that's Jesus-ward is heavenward. So 2018 is dawning. Those who want to know are those who will grow. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for grace and grace upon grace. For the grace of your sending your son to us when we were yet in sin, you you died for the ungodly. When we were helpless, you died for us. You took every bit of our sin and you, you took it upon Yourself. You were punished in our place. And, and at the end, you, you said it is finished. And you, you took the Father in one hand and, and, and men in the other and women and you, you pulled them together through Your work. And it's all grace to us. If you've never put your trust in Christ and what He's done, and you see it, and your $10 worth of righteousness, you see that it's not going to work, then just pray with me, Lord, I see it. I can't believe it, what you've done for me. And so I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity and everything I've called religion. I want to turn from myself and my sin, and I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me on the cross. Thank you that even now you have forgiven me of all my sins because of what you've done. 
And you've given it to me by faith. Thank you that even now you have come into my life. Thank, thank you that even now through your resurrection you've given me new life. Lord, there are many of us who've walked with you for, for many years. We're like Francis Schaefer and pastors and, and elders that are right here at the beginning of the new year. Would you be pleased to give us the desire to know grace again? in a new and fresh way, and to know you personally, Lord Jesus, and to also know the fellowship of your suffering and want to grow. Lord, would you bless your people, both individually and as we struggle and wrestle and as we are blessed and empowered together to grow. And would you bless the world? through that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.